Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. I'm Sam Roberts and I'm joined today by... Philip Wolf. We are going to talk about PC games, Pip. It's just you and I today because Phil's got some cover meeting stuff to do and Tom Senior is writing a review in progress of Destiny 2. Um, <gasps> and we're, I don't know, doing irrelevant things and therefore we've got time to podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds like us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just missed the sound of my own voice. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to miss a podcast for love nor money. And you're here down here anyway, <laughs> having opinions <laughs> towards yeah. the sofa. <laughs> Indeed. This is quite a nice episode because we don't have loads of big games to talk about, but we have a fair few questions at the end, um, which mm. will pad things out. Um, but we'll start with you, Pip, uh, because you've been playing The Mortician's Tale you reviewed for us um so well i've been playing two games that kind of form a, <laughs> an interesting um chorus that's not the word i'm Geology. looking for but yes yeah, something like that a sort of um a complementary pair perhaps okay. diptych there we go there's that, a word is that, is that a word yeah i mean i'm aware of triptych i've just never heard diptych diptych is that sounds like an insult on a them. playground okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway please carry on with your real word <laughs> Excellent. Well, so I've been playing, I was playing The Mortician's Tale, uh, which is a game about uh, being a mortician and uh, playing a sim based on that. So I would say this podcast might not be for you if you are recently bereaved or, you know, in a vulnerable place on that front, just because I've spoken about it before. And I think that was some feedback that I think some people just sort of weren't expecting. Um a sort of in-depth or perhaps just sort of academically interested in the the death industry okay, well, thing. Okay, well, in which case, fast forward 15 minutes to hear me talking about Bomber Crew, where <laughs> I go <laughs> to Belgium and drop some bombs. <laughs> but I've also been playing uh, Wunder Doctor, which is a game where you play as a kind of... You exist in a world of quack and patent medicine, but you are sort of within the confines of the game actually treating the people's illnesses mm. um, and so trying, at least as far as I've played, uh, which is, you know, the first maybe level or so, um, trying to avoid the use of p- hocus-pocus tonics and things like that. So, um, yeah, so they're kind of an interesting companion pair. But, uh, yeah, would you like me to talk about... I'm, I'm waving my hands in a really weird <laughs> fashion. Uh, <laughs> well, we can start with um, Mortician's Tale, because you've played the most of that one, haven't you? Uh, you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've finished the game. I have indeed. Um, so I was kind of interested uh, reading your review. I don't really know much about the um, death-positive movement. Um, I had to do you know, a little bit of research just to kind of keep up with what you were saying. That's as um, it should be. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, but, in some ways. <laughs> but this is this is PC gaming, Pip. Um, all of my knowledge is insular and has no relevance outside of the one field that I write in. Uh, like, you know, it's, to use outside references is radical to me. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, yes, so uh, the game is uh, inspired by the death positive movement and specifically uh, a couple of blogs I would say so there's um, the order of the good death and death and the maiden Um, and essentially I I guess the thing the main thing to know is that it's not about sort of promoting death exactly it's it's more about promoting a positive or at least sort of non-phobic or non uh, basically an acceptance that death is part of our experience and how to approach it in a way that isn't sort of trying to scrub it away or be afraid of it in you know more than 
mortality necessitates, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I'm scrambling for words slightly, but... Um, I think that's good to explain, just because otherwise the the term death, death positive could mean a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Clarifying that's good, I think. So it's kind of... Uh, as you play, um, you are dealing with the bodies that come into the uh, mortuary, and you are doing... You know, you're going through the little processes, or little processes, but all of these smaller steps as you process them, for want of a better word, as part of um, getting them ready for burial or getting them ready for cremation or a funeral service. And so that's that. That can just be things like um, washing the body, but it can also be things like um, the steps involved in embalming, or it can be in terms of. Um, prepping particular like um for, for view specifically so with that you're attempting to make the person who has died look sort of not uncanny sort of more it, i guess it sort of expunges some of the realities like if people's eyes have sunken slightly you're sort of using various products to to counter those effects so it looks almost as if they're just sleeping, which is kind of an interesting um, thing to to note, sort of just how much you're sort of running counter to how the body naturally... Decays. Yeah, or, yeah, just sort of the processes that happen in the days after death. So that's kind of interesting. And then as a sort of... Your main interface, apart from clicking through all of these steps, is um, you have an inbox, so you can actually read the emails that your character Charlie gets sent. So there's things like there's a newsletter that turns up uh, and it has, for example, stuff about... any industry has trends, but, you know, this will have, you know, things like a, a listicle on how to behave at funerals if you are sort of, you know, there as someone who is part of the service or, you know, how you, uh, you know, different um, different technologies that are involved in the death industry and things like that and you've also got a friend who works at a pathology museum and is kind of interested in similar things to you so she sort of forwards you these breathless excited uh, bits of information about uh, mushroom suits and things like that which are sort of uh, an idea about how to use the functions of mushrooms which sort of have this property which helps break down um, toxic uh products that the human body can actually sort of produce as as it breaks down um or release rather um so like heavy metals and things and how having a a suit that's infused with those with mushrooms and other microorganisms can actually help the environment in terms of how it um how the body then decays or is repurposed by nature after after you bury it so um essentially what this all leads to is a bunch of really interesting sort of hooks that you can then explore in your own time and i i would hope that people who play it provided they're not in that sort of vulnerable headspace are um hopefully going to get that 
glimpse of a a thing that it's okay to talk about or to think about without being written off as morbid you know this stuff is really interesting it's an intrinsic part of life and it's something that it's good to actually sort of consider in terms of what you want in terms of how how your values manifest after you die or you know whether that's important to you things mm. like that so yeah okay. and it touches on some political bits and pieces as well and just sort of quite light ways but interesting ways it, it looks quite nice as well the art style's kind of i don't know sort of cartoonish i guess it's it's in a way that still feels it feels connected enough to real life for you to know what it is and to know that it's serious but it's a it's still a nice looking game it's kind of like a purple color palette right yeah i was reading i think it was an interview with uh one of the developers and she was saying that the purpliness was good because it let them have that sort of warm but somber um mood mm. but also it maybe not exactly covered up because you choose whether to put it in the game or not but um it, it also helped mitigate any sense of gruesomeness right because it's not a graphic game exactly there are things that i think will make people uncomfortable especially if you don't like needles or you know if you're uncomfortable with the idea of bodies and things so yeah. but uh, it it's not like you see sort of graphic wounds or anything or uh, and at one point it does let you choose whether you're comfy dealing with somebody uh, who died of suicide so you know it's kind of it, it seems thoughtful and sort of respectful i would say okay um so moving on to wonder doctor wonder doctor yes um so, so i guess how much of that have you played so far and what do you make of it um, I've only played uh, a little bit so far. It was on my friend Alice's recommendation. And um, so you are this doctor on a train, I believe, and you are just treating the people who show up at your counter. And at first it was things like, um, so you've got this like disembodied hand cursor on the screen so you can scratch their horrible boils and itches and things. <laughs> and like if you, you know, like so the first person I had, it had like a, a of these itches and they're like oh it's you know it's so bad and you so you scratch all of them and then they're cured and then off they pop and that's quite nice um and then you know there's a lady who was like sort of infested with flies so not uh, skin or anything but they're just buzzing around and stuff so i had to like poke up those until they went away and then you've got people with like these blisters that you have to pop and like you get access to like a, a little um Oh, what's it called? Uh, is it a pharmacopoeia? It, the thing that tells you the pills that, it, like a ledger kind of right. thing that okay. has the information on the pills. Because every time you press the button for pills, it um, it spits out a whole bunch of them. So you have to consult that to know which one that you need to give them. Um, was, it, was, the, was the solution for the woman with the flies really just to poke the flies? I mean... In well, real life, sort of, would you, you know, just hose her down with anti-back in a chemical shower or something? This is, you know, like, this is back in the days of patent medicine, Sam. I mean, I guess so. But, I mean, so, like, I'm sure there's a hose pipe somewhere, you know. But anyway, <laughs> um, clearly that hasn't worked. Um, and then, it, you know, it sort of progresses to, to more esoteric stuff. So at the moment I've got, you know, 
there's ghosts sometimes that can inf infect a person. And so what that does is mostly it just sort of jiggles them around a bit. So it's harder to, to scratch their itches or poke their flies or, you know, whatever right, else. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes like you get um, a magnifying glass that you're looking through to actually see the things that you can't detect with your naked eye. Although weirdly, it's stuff like sometimes people's eyes are kind of hanging out of their sockets. Right. And so, but like when that is revealed with a magnifying glass it's like i it's a weird like storytelling process in your head because you're like hang on what's the story here it's that i looked at you and you seemed perfectly normal but when i took a closer look both your eyes were hanging out like what is it anyway so you push those back in and then you like treat them but all of the while um you're sort of well intermittently you're being approached by a quack medicine salesperson dressed as a plague doctor who's just like hello would you like to buy my elixirs everyone loves them and you're like mm. so I think I seem to have started a feud with him okay. and also the people that come and see you uh, seem to that that's their go-to in terms of what they want as treatment right. and so it's kind of it's really interesting because obviously the the things that you're treating are sort of a cascade of things that are essentially mini games about prodding things or swatting things or poking things and and I think it ramps up in terms of you know needing to do things in a particular order or needing to avoid something until you've dealt with another thing you know that kind of stuff yeah but is it oddly cathartic to play like so both of the games have an element of those, you know, those free browser games where you're sort of healing a Disney princess who's been in a terrible accident mm -hmm. or, you know, dealing with someone's zits and putting their face back together or pulling glass out of their foot or something. Yes. So there's there's an element of that, but also, but they both manage to elevate it. Like with the, uh, with the mortician's tale, it's used in the surf service of maybe creating that sense of ritualism that accompanies a lot of um, how we approach death regardless of the time period, right? Um, and in Wunder Doctor, it's about... Um, it, it sort of uses that as a, as a thing that you're playing and a challenge that seems to be gradually ramping up. But also while... It certainly seems to be playing with ideas of, uh, or or the sort of the problems associated with uh, medicine uh, at that time period. So things like patent medicine was addictive because often it contained things like opiates. You know, it's mm. like you'd maybe have um, like laudanum or something in in something that you'd give to a baby while it was teething to like make it stop fussing right. you know and so because that's all really interesting you can listen to there's a podcast called sawbones uh, that has quite a few episodes that that touch on patent medicine and things um especially i think the opiates episode opioid addiction um episode okay um but yeah so it's kind of they both they both go above that the trappings of that like right. they both seem to they do something interesting with that um, although I would say if I had my time again, I would not play Wonder Doctor while having my lunch. 
Okay, yeah, I mean... I was eating a brie and cranberry sandwich at that point in my life. I was, just, <laughs> Yeah, which is a fine sandwich, but not if you're poking someone's blisters. As well as you mentioned that, I, um, I suddenly thought about the um, white chocolate bar at lunchtime and suddenly just felt it come up slightly and had to have a gulp of water. But I am very sorry. Are you regretting that you, you didn't uh, come down here alone and monologue into the microphone? No, I, I think that <laughs> the one-man Sam and Roberts podcast would be the end of the podcast. It'd just be a disaster. Um, didn't you do like a one-person podcast once? Yes. Yeah, what was that? No, I didn't because Chris was definitely there. Oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, oh yes, of course, yes, yes. But, no, um, I, it was weird because obviously without other people asking questions or whatever, you're not actually sure what they find interesting. And so almost you run through the things that you wrote in a review or would have written in a review and then you're sort of a bit lost because I wouldn't have known what you might find interesting in all of this. Or... Yeah, I suppose you have nothing else to uh, help you segue into your next point either. So it's kind of like, and now the next game. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, well, those uh, that's an interesting one too, I suppose. Like, um, is does uh, I guess Wonder Doctor does it treat the subject with the same reverence that a mortician's tale does? No, it's well, it's a lot more playful. It's a lot more just sort of oh, it's gross and cute and funny and mm. um, I think, and I have kind of forgotten the title but it was it it came out of the um a previous ludum dare uh, project hmm. um it was wonder something wonder heimlung maybe okay. um the developer is ghost butters i believe um but or ghost butter and so i think maybe if people wanted to sort of get a feel for that there's a i think that project might still be online so maybe go prod at that yeah uh, <laughs> i guess <laughs> okay all right interesting mm. um cool well you can check out uh, pip's review of is it a mortician's tale or the, the it's the mortician's tale. the mortician's tale on uh, pcgamer.com not a mortician's tale as i've been saying for the last 30 minutes well i've i keep switching between the two i think it's the but i haven't got my phone so i can't check i can check but nice. i mean uh, i'll talk about something else while i'm checking no that's fine we should talk about your things ah uh, yes what bomber crew the game <laughs> yes. i've been playing bomb um, funk mcs that's what is that word. reference bomb it's funks. very 90s we we don't need to talk about it. i see uh, what how are we talking early 90s or late 90s i'll um drop you a spotify link later <laughs> <laughs> but just bear in mind that's what i think of every time you say bomber crew no, because fine. it feels very much like so solid crew meets bomb funk mc that's fair enough um it's a it's a mortician's tale uh yeah oh. but hey nbd that's fine it is fine um, a mortician's tale that would make sense because the abbreviation in my screenshots folder is amt and i thought why am i talking about coffee and then Sorry, this is all totally <laughs> irrelevant. No, it's fine. I'll just talk about um, bomb funk MCs. Please um, do. What so... have they been up to in the last twenty years? I do actually struggle to remember the name of this game because it's. Um, I, I keep thinking, is it bomber bomber heroes, bombing heroes, bombing crew? And uh, but I think it's. I'm pretty certain it's bomb funk MCs. And um, so yes, um, I love that no one's going to trust us on the names of games <laughs> in the future. It's just like, are you sure you mean Destiny? Are you sure it's not called like <laughs> anything else? <laughs> Fate, the <laughs> FPS. Um, yeah. So uh, this is. It looks like it's kind of tearing up uh, the Steam charts a bit. I mean, I looked on Steam's buying thirty 
2,000 people a boy over the weekend, I think, which is pretty huge. Um, it's uh, People have compared it to FTL. You basically maintain a bomber um, and go on missions in a kind of, I think, World War Two kind of pastiche setting. A bomber setting. like a human or a bomber like... Like a... Like, oh, sorry, like, like a, a jacket? Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, aircraft. Ah, um, So, yeah, you, uh, you manage the, the crew on this aircraft, mm. go on missions, um, fly into other European countries... Um, do your mission, come back, uh, and try and land your plane successfully without getting shot down. Uh, it's been compared to FTL because a lot can go wrong on that journey. You start off with these two reasonably easy missions as you get used to how things work. Like, you have to get your pilot to take off. You can choose what altitude you fly at. And then um, you have, like, three people on, like, the turrets. Um, and uh, one of them, the one at the front also controls the bombing hatch. So you have to get him or her to go to the um like the bombing operating center open the door for that so it's basically a game of micromanagement as the plane's going like um the target's coming up um but also there are enemy fighter craft coming towards you so you have to switch to your navigator um and kind of like uh use your telescope to zoom in on them scan them and then your people could open fire on Mm. on the planes but unless you scanned an aircraft first you you won't shoot at it at all so there's quite a lot to consider in Emissions can get very busy very quickly, um, and it's it's pretty hard. Um, uh, quite a lot of people on the Steam forums were complaining that uh, it could maybe use a pause function. I think that's possibly fair. Like F, uh, FTL has has one. Um, it helps you deal with you know any kind of crisis of, with a little bit of breathing room, and this doesn't have that. It's always frantically going on. Your plane is um, a nice touch. Is your plane gets riddled with holes when you're when you're shot at, so you really do feel the damage. Uh, done to your craft as you're going through a mission and uh, your fuel is affected by by different things and um, as you get deeper into it you start to unlock um, different abilities for your crew so my pilot before could just take off and land and now he can um, do like an emergency dive that will put out a fire on the propeller at any at any moment um, and he's, he's now got another like corkscrew maneuver which helps him dodge bullets um, while piloting the aircraft and uh, I've up- you upgrade um, the plane as you go as well. So uh, my basic turrets I've now upgraded. I've got better armor across the thing. You can change the skins of the planes as well, and you can write, uh, put like liveries on there with words, um, silly words. Um, so that's fun. And uh, it has that kind of XCOM thing of once a crew member dies, you know they're gone. So you have to recruit someone else. And the idea being that you get attached to them or whatever. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm 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 enjoying. It. I've played it for a couple of hours so far, but I. I do feel like it's going to get too hard for me and eventually I'll either have a tantrum and delete it um, or I'll just give up for a while. But it's, uh, yeah, it's nice. I can see the appeal of it. Um, yeah, it's about nine-tenths of the game I want it to be, I think. But I think, <laughs> I think like, there's a bit of an, an annoying mentality with super hard games where one part of the audience will go, well, you're just a child and this is how the game was made and, you know, people are just too coddled now and stuff like that. And then there's the other part where these uh, basically a, a thread full of dads saying, "My reaction times aren't very good anymore. Please put a pause function in this." <laughs> and I empathise with the latter a bit a bit more because um, it's quite a stressful game, and I don't really see what uh, impact a pause uh, setting would have on anyone else. I mean, if you made it optional, I think the developers are looking into that anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 enjoying it. There's I really like the journey aspect of it. The um, that you you take off and land your plane. It's a very, it's my favourite thing in every mission, even though it's the easiest thing you do. You just have to remember to lower the landing gear, and that's it. 
Um, but then the music changes, and it, and then when you get your whole crew back alive, it feels very satisfying. And yeah, it's uh, yeah frantic, but full of nice little interactions. Quite a warm art style as well, thereby uh, hiding the horrors of war and all the <laughs> people who are dying. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sam, until we got to that point, I was like, oh, maybe... No. <laughs> it sounds... Like it's maybe halfway between FTL and something like Jalopy, where you have that granular control over a thing, or you're supposed to know how it works or be able to manage it on that level. Or maybe, what was the gun game where you had to actually do all of the little things? Was it Reseteer? Uh, maybe, I've not played it. Cause it Jalopy, you know, I've briefly played. Yeah, because in Jalopy, you have to maintain a car. Um, yeah. And in uh, what was I talking about? Oh, in Reseteer, I think it's Reseteer. You have to, um, you when you go to shoot a gun in the game, you have to do all of the things that you would in real life. Like if you go to reload it, you have to, you know, take the clip out and then do, you know, like all of the different things that would, in theory, be second nature if you were that person. But mm. you end up fumbling things and there's key combinations. And it's not quite that granular. Like um, if you need to reload one of your turrets, I mean, you mm. do have to, you do have to reload them. So I guess that's slightly less gamey than you know, uh, FTLers, but um, it's a simple case of you send them to the ammo crate and they come back and then they, they're they fine again. Um, I think it's more that, like, all of the it, all of the steps, it kind of reminded me of that level of management, but just with a sort of a scenario rather than a an object. Yeah, I suppose, that, yeah I suppose that's probably fair. It's a bit it, a bit more in-depth than FTLers, mm. so that's, that's probably, yeah, it probably somewhere between the two in terms of how demanding it is and how much you have to remember things like that there are moments where you know I, I, a target comes up and i can i'm looking at the lower camera to see okay i'm gonna drop a bomb here and i forgot to open the bloody um bombing bay doors <laughs> and have to do another pass at which point i get shot down or whatever um so um yeah like it, it, it's it's not terribly forgiving you do have to think about all of those steps and you know you're um, if you don't raise your landing gear when you take off, then you, you, you lose fuel because I assume the air resistance, mm. extra air resistance, means you have to use more fuel. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I think there's probably probably a comparison to be drawn there. Yeah. What happens if you if you mess up a mission? I've keep save scumming it. So, oh, okay. Um, um, so, but I, un- I as I understand it, you um, you can be rescued if you crash. Um, you can uh, you, you can take a dinghy with you. Um, so yeah, your crew can survive if the plane goes down, and um, presumably only in water though. Like, what's a dinghy gonna do if you crash land in a forest? That's you can do an emergency landing because um, you're. Um, the other thing is that different parts of the plane can be shot off, so oh, okay. the landing gear might just stop working, or your hydraulic system might be busted, and your engineer might be dead. So you you have to make an emergency landing. But you you can you can survive, but it's whether you whether you'll be rescued is another question. The exact nature of that I haven't really investigated yet, but maybe I'll look into that tonight. Um, <laughs> you won't. You'll just carry on the same story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying the mild glory that comes from that. I've I only failed like um, one mission so far though, and like um, that was like the the first two missions are very very soft, and then the difficulty just goes, just it's ridiculous and um, quite takes some getting used to. But um, the key thing I learned is every mission has a bonus objective where you can go and photograph um, like some. I know, like basically, like a, a, f- a facility or you know a certain vehicle or whatever, um, and then you'll get more money uh, and an experience for doing it. But it's doing so 
gets you deeper into enemy lines and makes I think it makes more aircraft turn up so you're much more likely to be shot down so I, I tried that once and when I failed it I just stuck to the main objective and every time since then I've been okay um, so yeah I mean it's it's nice that it's I guess it's not a completely superfluous objective because if you got if you actually got the extra money it'd be very useful to help upgrade your turrets and systems or what have you but um, at the same time yeah there's a, an immense risk to doing so so that's that's the other thing about the pause the idea of a pause system is that I um the game def has definitely been made uh with the kind of the frantic nature of a micromanagement in mind. So it's hard to say whether it needs it or not. Um but I, I also respect uh, that certain players will need it and I I might too after a a certain point because it is very stressful. Mm. Uh yeah, but yeah, I, I think that um anyone who enjoyed FTL will like it too. It's scratching the same itch for sure. Cool. Excellent. I will move on to the questions then, Pip. Unless <gasps> you have any more uh, points about the, um, what were they called? The bombing MCs? I forgot already. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've already given them far too much airtime for their output, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk about oxide and neutrino on the next podcast. <laughs> Finally, something <laughs> I'm expert in. <laughs> um, I should really play, um, is it Jalopy? Jalopy. Jalopy. I should really well, play more think. of that. <laughs> I've only played like I only played about twenty minutes of it after I we had it. I think it's ramping up towards release. I think they've added like all of the the areas that they're gonna have, and it, it seems to be getting towards its one point build. So maybe it's worth like waiting until it goes into full release rather right. than early access. But it is available at the moment. So if you did want to, then. It's like a, it's like yeah. a randomly generated like road trip simulator through. It's not Eastern randomly Europe. generated. The the places are set places, um, but I have failed spectacularly in different ways each time. So that implies that I'm either learning or finding new <laughs> new weaknesses of my own that I didn't know about each time. <laughs> I also got trapped in a shop because I uh, refused to put down my sausages so that I could go <laughs> to the car to get my wallet to pay for the sausages. And the game does this thing where it like locks the gate because obviously you're trying to take something that you haven't paid for. Never occurred to me to put the sausages down. I just kept trying to leave and just thought, well, I guess I'm stuck here. So I, I started an entire new game because I thought I was just stuck in the sausage shop forever in fairness i wouldn't i wouldn't be willing to part easily with sausages at any no. given moment so i kind of i do empathize exactly exactly so consider that my gift of wisdom if you do, <laughs> if you do decide to play outstanding okay so here are our questions and this one's from Rhonda in discord so thank you very much for this on a scale of one to ten how uncomfortable does adjusting a brightness slider to accurately turn a logo barely visible make you for me it's a ten I hate that process. Oh, me too. I don't. I think it's because it's then almost like it's like a little honesty system for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, how difficult do you want this to be? And if I kind of go, look, I'm not looking to squint at any point during this game. I'm tired. I have a headache. Like, <laughs> so I put it, you know, so I leave it on a brightness, which is maybe a bit higher than can barely see. Yes. And then it's like oh, have I, uh, am I now playing some easy version? Am I like, I, I've basically been asked, how how easy do you want this to be? And I've gone, oh, very easy, please. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm a very busy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm similar. Like, uh, whatever they say, when they say barely visible, 
I'll make it barely visible, then go up a notch, and that's basically it. Um, just because I think if I'm playing a horror game, I kind of do want to see what's running at me. Like, mm. uh, I mean, call me old-fashioned. I just, uh, I just think that's fair enough, really. Like you say, I mean, I have a full-time job. You know, there should be different brightness sliders depending on what level of employment you have. Are you a student? In which case, you know, it's pitch black. <laughs> you actually, you know, you actually need to find an in-game item for anything to light up, and then yeah, it just kind of scales uh, thusly. So um, yeah, that'd be good. Cool. All right. Second question. Um, this is from Max Ursa in Discord. I'm sure you folks will be playing Destiny 2 on PC as well as on console. What Never class? heard of it. <laughs> Fate, the game. Um, Inevitability 2. <laughs> what classes are you going for? I've never played Destiny, but we're going, uh, we'll be going Titan Captain Britain. Um, uh, I actually don't remember what class I am, Pip. I'm the ones that do the fist attack and used to have fire hammers as of the Taken That's King. Who, Titan. Okay, well, there you go. I don't recommend Titan, actually, Max Ursa, because the fist attack's rubbish compared to the other melee moves. They're the tanky class with yeah. the bubble. Well, I mean, you can build it with a bubble. I never used a bubble, though. I was just always deep. I was just deeply saddened that I didn't have any exciting, um, uh, you know, offensive moves until the Taken King, at which point the Firehammers made it... Uh... The Firehammers were the bane of my life in Crucible for a time. They were the only source of my self-esteem for like three months till they nerfed it or whatever. Mm. Yeah, mm. they definitely they definitely ruined Crucible though. You could wipe out an entire team in like you know ten seconds. So hang on, who are you going to be then if you've taken Titan off the table and as is accepted wisdom hunter are terrible? You're going to be a warlock then. Really, is the warlock you? the one that can do the force push kind it's of thing? It's the floofy jump, force push, Nova bomb. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do that. I'm going to do that. Does it? The space wizards. Yeah. I think that sounds fun. Did, it, who are hunters considered like jerks then, or something? Oh, they're the flashiest, worst people. <laughs> <laughs> worst people. Okay. So, uh, although I think um, we were considering me, Tom, and uh, Phil were talking about the fact that maybe we should start diversifying our roster of people given that we're all three warlocks and that might not be the best in terms of you know so maybe someone will be a titan and we're not sure about the hunter thing because oh, worst <laughs> worst space class that's weird how these little <laughs> things pop up like... chris is a hunter okay <laughs> well i mean it explains a lot but you know <laughs> um yeah i i will definitely vary up um I think I would try Titan because I did. I played the beta as a Titan actually, um, but Warlock is the one that I've got all the muscle memory for. So, mm. I, you know, don't make me learn new things. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm not really I'm thirty-three. Um... I can't. <laughs> I can't be doing with that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not used to um, my new uh, Destiny two. Uh, titan abilities yet because i've only played like the first couple of campaign missions so mm. i'm actually well up for uh jumping into something new. They're, they're all different aren't they the new super attacks they're all a bit different so yeah everyone's got another a new sort of subclass um so the the warlock one is the dawn dawn thing oh, it's the fire sword yes that's the thing okay cool so yeah so that's been fun to play around with um although i should really remember its name i knew it for so long and then and then a few weeks passed between the uh the ps4 version and the pc <laughs> version and now it's all gone that's okay we can i assume that everyone listening to this has never played destiny and is playing it for the first time this week yes. um in most cases they probably are um i um oh hang on is hunter the one that used to do that 
um, teleporty bullshit attack that the, with the blink knives. strike thing. Yes. Yeah, they're that the worst. That was so shit. They yes. are the worst. That I hated that. I, I felt like I just couldn't do anything in those. They instances. can go invisible as well, and it's just I. Oh, they are the worst. Well, there you go, Max. So they belong in a bin. Um, Pip, on a set along similar lines, this mm. is from Evil Brackets Andy Eads. Evil Deeds. Andy, I'm just going to read the question. Okay then, question. If I only care about fashion and making my character look good, which class should I pick in Destiny, Hunter or Warlock? Pip, this is your whole area, surely. Oh, wow. Well, if you've seen a picture of my Warlock in its glorious banana costume, um, I'm not entirely sure you'd trust my opinion on this. Um, (laughs) I think partly it might come down to how you feel about their special like class items because the warlocks have their armband thing that is their their special thing uh hunters have capes because obviously and titans have like this almost like a dishcloth they've tucked into their back pocket so they have like the bum scarf okay oh yeah yeah i remember that so that's an element of this. The bum scarf <laughs> sucks, actually. That is not as good as a cape. And who could ever have convinced themselves it was, you know? No, exactly. So there's, there is an element of that. Um, <laughs> and also, I haven't been playing Destiny 2 on PS4. I only had bits of the... I had time with the beta. And so um, it didn't let you do the customization that you would normally do and so what happened in the original is that you every time you applied a shader if you applied it to uh, a warlock it would actually look differently than it would on a on a hunter or a titan because it would color in different bits of their their armor or their you know costume or whatever and and they all sort of have a different basic kind of silhouette of how their armor manifests right so yeah it's one of those awkward things where i would actually suggest looking on um on some of the message boards and just seeing what's out there in terms of which shaders and things you actually like on which um which pieces of armor and mm. things like that so okay yeah all right that's uh, that's good advice Pip. i guess should i offer <laughs> some advice on that i mean i i i would say probably the hunter on the cape basis but um yeah, like Pip says, have a look around and see how you feel. Um, hunters are <laughs> apparently jerks. Um, there's another, I've got another Destiny question here. Destiny 2 is coming up soon, and I was uh, toying with the idea of taking time off work to play it. It was a silly idea, like taking the day off school and remembering all your mates aren't around. They're at school. Have you had uh, ever had any... Um, let me say it again. Have any of you ever planned your non-working life around playing a game? That's from Avagad. Ever taken a day off to play a game, Pip? I have. Or like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I booked... A few days off uh, back when I was still working in fashion to play Skyrim. Oh, cool. Um, and I, for me, I didn't like it as much as I liked Oblivion, so I felt a bit like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have shouldn't have used up so very precious holiday on this. <laughs> but also I had to have an interesting conversation with my boss because she was just like, why on earth are you taking time off in the middle of november <laughs> like are you are you going away are you i was like no i'm going to my living room <laughs> it's just like okay <laughs> um so i sort of had to explain to her about skyrim and about <laughs> oblivion and about 
pre-ordering about you know don't pre-order kids um but (laughs) yeah so I sat in my pants playing Skyrim (laughs) instead of writing about what Kate Middleton was wearing well you know I mean they're they're both valuable activities I mean (laughs) I guess one paid you at the time and one didn't but you know hey I think Christina Aguilera was at a launch party for Skyrim that year really yeah like it just randomly happened. I mean, there were those photos of Jared Leto at the um, Destiny Two launch event, weren't they? <laughs> Pulling those extremely bizarre facial expressions, like <laughs> of a man who just walked into the wrong reality or something. Well, I was wondering whether she just plays it. You know, like if I ever interview her, that's coming up. You know, it's coming up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon as I get offered that interview, I'll I'll make sure that 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 happens. Yeah, if you could just remind me that I've got questions. <laughs> Will you settle for like a lesser pop star um, to ask that to, like let's say? Um, well, hang on, no, Jessie J. But they, but she wasn't at the Skyrim launch, so I That's... was going to ask directly about that. I can't yeah, ask Jessie J <laughs> to ask Christina about something. You can ask I Florence think they, and they or the machine out. if they, if they <laughs> do you enjoy Which Skyrim? Which machine <laughs> and so on? Like. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I'm, like, I'm going to look into that uh, after this. Um, Thanks. That's a good. That's a good. Did you know right there? Um, <laughs> yeah. What's Christina Aguilera at the Skyrim launch party? I mean, fascinating. Um, I suppose I've got to answer the question, haven't I? Um, I don't think I've ever taken a day off to play a game, but I did. Um, I used to work at a PlayStation magazine, and I did when Bioshock Infinite came out. I carried a PS3 across town to my girlfriend's house she was packing because she was moving like the next weekend and um she allowed me to play it while she was packing around me which was very nice of her and uh yeah i suppose that was i was going to some trouble there to play it <laughs> lugging a ps3 across town it's not an insignificant act and um i sat there and played that all weekend um so yeah i don't know if i would i'd ever do it now though taking a day off to play a game it, maybe it's, it's either because games aren't that exciting now which is unlikely or I don't know. I, I'm just happy to play them in the evenings. I mean, I've learned my lesson about midnight screenings, Pip, from going to see Star Wars and, you know, Marvel Civil War and then wake up the next day feeling so hungover. You don't fancy Thor. I was going to ask you about that for later this week. Oh, really? Not, not just not at midnight, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want me to CC you in on a shall we go see it thread, yeah, though? Yeah, cool. sure, sure. Cinema tickets are £13.50 now, though. I won't get Don't even. I can't with that. It's. Anyway, also, no film needs to be longer than 90 minutes, in my opinion. But there we go. I agree with you. (laughs) Anyway, yes. um, Yeah, I probably wouldn't take a day off to play a game. um, But I respect you for doing so if it's something you really care about. I probably would have done about seven or eight years ago. But um, But you work in games as well, so you could probably make most of it part of your job. Exactly. So I'm in an extremely privileged position and therefore um, cannot complain. But... um, (laughs) Yes. That wasn't where I was going. I was just, <laughs> you know, you sort of fold that stuff in. You don't need to take time off work to do your job. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I'm reviewing Wolfenstein and, I, you know, I really want to play that, but I'm doing it at work. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah. Um, okay, then this uh, second to last question is from N. Brady Easton. Not sure how to word this question for pod or otherwise. Anyone got a favourite video game sound uh, that is pleasurable slash evokes nostalgia or just make you feel bloody good slash sad slash anxious when you're playing said game? I'm thinking the Resi 4 mods, uh, mobs shouting Metallo when they spot you, the goons in Max Payne shouting Hold It when you dive into a room, the alien isolation motion tracker, the popping sound when you pick up items on Stargy Valley, etc, etc. Mm. What about you, Pip? Any sound effects particularly evocative to you? 
I would say probably everything from Ocarina of Time. I know this is a PC gaming podcast, but like a lot of people have the um, like opening a treasure chest noise as their ringtone for messages and things. And that always just makes me kind of, my body kind of reacts to it before my brain catches up. Yeah. So yeah. The codec from the original Metal Gear Solid does that for me as well. The little um, bring, bring sound. (laughs) <laughs> people often have that as their ringtone and it just makes you think of being in a techno a 90s techno thriller where i'm about to fight a nuclear robot or a cowboy with one arm missing mm. um yes um yeah i mean it happens quite a lot i mean uh red alert the commander conquer games is quite a good example of this there's a really players of that will know there's a really shit sean connery sounded like in that game um who is the spy character and every time uh you click you click on him he goes on my way or for king and country and um, I, uh, yeah, that 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 will do it because it's so ludicrous that, yeah. Nernroot, the noise of Nernroot. What's that? In um, uh, specifically in Oblivion, okay. um, that's where I sort of first encountered it and got sort of super attuned to it because what it is is uh, so the the enchanted Nernroot thing is, or whatever they call it, it, it's basically a glowing version of a plant that is that lives in that world Mm. and it makes this sort of high metallic kind of whine that really goes down your spine and you can hear it before you can see it usually and so you're sort of trying to to find these things that they're basically collectibles in the world Mm. but because it's like this noise that you're sort of tuned to here and you're trying to find where it is coming from and trying to figure all that stuff out like it's a noise that I I think if I were to hear a version of it or that same sort of chime in real life I'd probably instantly be sort of on the alert without knowing why yeah so but it's kind of interesting because I think those things bed in when you play a game for a long period of time and you don't know that they're there until something in real life references them. So I guess there would be so many things, specifically from Dota, where I'm used to certain sound effects or League of Legends, where it's, you know, where a particular, like, noise or an, a, a, an ability is associated with that, and I know what it is before it happens because of that sound cue. But because they're not things that, like... I guess uh, the self-service machine in Waitrose <laughs> sounds like, or like you know, that the, a, a doorbell sounds like. I I don't realise that they're there. It's more when a, a sound from real life is close enough to a sound from a game that you realise just how deeply that stuff gets in. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it's um, uh, just another example for me would be the uh, Circus of Values laugh uh, in Bioshock, like. As soon as I hear that laugh, I just know you know exactly what it is. Um, I w- I'm glad they don't program it into the self service checkouts of Sainsbury's, though, because that would be no. deeply disconcerting. See, I went with Waitrose because I thought that would be a reference you'd understand. I haven't been to Waitrose in like years and years. <laughs> well, so I, I, just... I, 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 you know, I go to both, so what can I say? You know? I see, I yeah. see. Um, no, that, that, that kind of happens in everything, though. Like anything that's any sound effect from a game that I played a lot more than 10 years ago will that will likely have an effect. Like, um, hearing glados's voice from portal for example like um yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's a it's a it's a powerful thing um okay last question then is a very is a magazine specific one um pip you've been on the magazine for you know about a month now is that right uh yes yeah so let's you, go with that yeah so um 
Actually, yeah, hang on. What's the date today? It's uh, a month tomorrow. Cool, that's awesome. Mm. Um, I haven't bought cake to celebrate anything like that. That's okay. I only knew by checking <laughs> my watch, which also has the date on. I wasn't just like fake holding up my watch and going, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's just a bracelet. <laughs> There's no screen. Um, been enjoying Chris Thurston's Their Back column in the magazine recently. In fact, it's my favourite section, whoever writes it. That's a joke, I assume. Um, I just wondered if there is any style guide for those particular pages, or is it so good because it's actually as anything goes as it seems? Cheers, Matt. Do you know much about this, Pip, or shall I weigh in? Um, I know that, obviously, taking it on after um, log was quite a, a daunting thing yeah. or I would yeah I, I don't want to speak for Chris I, I assume it was and I think he was very much going to make it his own thing because there is just no point trying to imitate log in any way shape or form yes impossible um but I don't know what format you guys settled on I mean obviously it sort of takes a format because you need to design a magazine in a sensible way but well like it's um it's a weird thing in logs last few that he did he started doing um themes where he just pick uh a word like hole i think hole was one of them and then do four games around that subject um and it was a very loose theme but it's a pretty anything goes spread i think the idea is it's just got to be as uh, funny as possible really that's the um that's the only kind of brief with it um yeah, and it's uh, I like Chris's version of it too, and like um, I think it's one of those things where he found it daunting to take over from Log, but he just couldn't resist at the same time. It's <laughs> just such a you know a famed long running part of the magazine. Um, but yeah, there's no there's no real rule to it. It's just it's just got to be amusing. Um, and yeah, it's uh, I mean only three people have written it ever in the history of PC Gamer, so it's uh, it's obviously a very important thing. But do you yeah. have a rule for what their back is uh, consists of? Like, is there a time cutoff point? Um, I think the idea is it just has to be available digitally. Um, so sometimes it will actually re review uh, games that have just been re-released digitally. Um, yeah, that that will happen. But no, there's not. Other than that, not really. Um, it you know it can be as self-indulgent as the writer wants as long as it's fun. I, I think that's basically how it works. Mm. The actual functionality of it. I mean, it was a, a real useful thing about in about you know the late nineties or early noughties. But as soon as steam happened that was pretty much the uh, the end of it being time useful on that telescopes level. in on itself and then collapses yeah basically there's almost <laughs> nothing you can't buy or download or whatever um, yeah, except the monet game that i keep trying to get to run on windows 10 which won't anyway um <laughs> i think it's quite nice that someone said a, a, a nice thing about chris given my scathing hunter evaluation well, that out, <laughs> of his it? choice so yeah that's a nice sandwich of of the, the full range of opinions <laughs> let's just hope that you know chris listened to the end of the podcast and then just um delete it and throw a table over or whatever <laughs> it's not his style anyway no definitely not the table would have had warhammer on it it would have been a whole thing <gasps> yeah. okay cool well uh, that is <laughs> all the questions i have for today um if you have anything you want to ask us please drop into the discord um, which you can access if you're a member of the PC Gamer Club, although a lot of people listening to this will probably already have access. But if not, there are plenty of other ways to um, get in touch with us. You can tweet us at PC Gamer Pod. Um, we don't get many questions there. I think it's just, we don't post from that feed very often, so people just assume it's an abandoned outpost. Um, but it's not. I do check it um, before we do um, this. So if you want to send us a quick, easy question, that's a way you can do it. You can also uh, email us questions to letters at pcgamer.com 
where Phil Savage will pick them up and forward them over to me. That last question came from the email. So, yes, if you want to send us some quite in-depth questions, feel free uh, to do so. But, uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon. Thank you.